Got some uh, passage of scriptures, and I, I want to talk to us this morning uh, about a God of the new. God of the new. And uh, so let's begin with the, the verses first. And uh, Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. An interesting scenario, isn't it? You know what I mean? One time he points us, another time he, you know, asks us to forget. So there's got to be a balance in there somewhere. You know what I mean? That uh, uh, between those that God is referencing. Behold, I will do a new thing, and now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Right, for these words are true and faithful. For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Do you notice that you're involved in that? Uh, you're involved in that. Hallelujah. The setting of some of these scriptures in God's promise of doing something new was really quite bleak. Judah had been displaced from its homeland. And how many know that you get displaced from your homeland, there's a lot of other displacements that are, take place. You're not just not in your, your country, with the homes that you lived in, the neighbors that you, you know, uh, live by. The whole function of life all of a sudden had been interrupted and not just interrupted but it had been by and large ruined and that situation had existed for 70 years now this passage of scripture that it says that God will do a new thing. And those that reference new things sometimes can get thrown around rather loosely. So because of that, I want to at least establish, you know, my parameters as I understand it. Number one, I believe that Jesus is God's new thing. Jesus is God's new thing. And that is in a nutshell. Now there's all kinds of new that, you know, will come out of that. But I don't think there's another Jesus coming. 
I think Jesus is the answer. In the passage of Scripture that we read, it talks about various things that would happen. So I believe that Jesus is the river in the desert. I believe that Jesus is the guide through the wilderness. And that he also is the spring of living water. Jesus is. Revelation 21 and 5 says, And he who sat on the throne. Notice who is speaking, the one that's sitting on the throne. Notice who makes the declaration. I will make all things new. One of the things that God has been, you know, just kind of trying to, to get into my spirit, uh, you know, and in, in, in enjoin. about the relationship of between God and us, God and you. And that is that you have a part, but God has a greater part. The power behind it is God. The vessel And the participant is us. When Paul said our sufficiency is of God. Isaiah 42 and 9 says the former things have come to pass. So he says you can look at the track record. You can see what has taken place. But he said, I'm declaring some things to you. And it's about new. See, we've all had many blessings and triumphs in our lives. As we remember what God can do. But God is saying there's still more ahead. In chapter 43, he gives a promise for a crisis. He says there's wilderness, there's a desert, and I'm going to supply those things that are necessary for those crises. He'll make a road in the wilderness, and he'll put waters in the desert. God's always trying to give our future a future. Think about it. 
I believe that God is always trying to, you know, energize hope because of who he is. The promise of his word. The question we have to ask ourselves this morning is, do we want a God that we can explain? Or a God that is far greater than we are? Think about it. So many are not believing because they can't explain God. That God doesn't make any sense. Within the framework of humanity and his limited powers, and as great as his discoveries have been, we still come up with it's impossible. With this all-wise God is the author, and he's the master of newness. All of life gets old. But God doesn't leave it there. He generates new. See, you can let the mystery of God bolster your doubt or it can cause you to be confident and cheerful as you trust he is God. He is all-powerful. So when we talk about new Where that is a starting or a commencement to set forth on a path or a, a course. I like the word for me to try to balance it out would be different. Vision could fall into there or simply not ordinary. How many know that the birth of Jesus Christ is not ordinary? It's different. When he said, I'm going to do a new thing, you know what I mean? And he's referencing and pointing to that coming of Jesus Christ. It was majorly different. In that passage of Scripture, when God says, I'm going to do a new thing, he references, you know what I mean, certain conditions. And there's a word that he uses, which is wasteland or desert. He says that, I want you to forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. Don't let your wilderness, don't let your desert be the focus. Don't spend a lot of time on it. 
remember the victories. One time he says forget, another time he says remember. So what he's telling us, you know what I mean? But you know that people live, you know, in the wasteland way too much. Having lost hope. And they resign themselves seemingly to constant pessimism. And their lives become permanent residents of wasteland. They, they are spiritually in the quagmire of the past. God was trying to bring them out, trying to give them, you know what I mean? Hey, there's something new. I want you to see it. Will you not see it? Souls begin to become arid. Hearts are dried up, and the problems in society and living in general are just taking their major toll on their lives. And they sit never really understanding that God has made dreams in the wasteland. That there are fresh water places that God has created for people's renewal. In John 7 and 37, Jesus speaks to this and he said that, that, you know, uh, uh, Oh, everyone that's thirsty, what makes you thirsty? The deserts. He begins to talk about himself, you know, as being that, that river. We must not let the windows of our heart and soul be so, become clouded with the memories of pain and hurt and disappointment, betrayal, misdirection and confusion, the place where dreams fade away. We must not let them let it become clouded by it. There is fresh water in your wasteland. We need to be renewed in our faith by his power and his goodness. He asked the question, don't your eyes see what God is doing? The neat thing about when God says there's something new, he's always moving us forward. He's always moving us toward hope. Why? Because we are a resurrection people. The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. We're a resurrection people. We are not a desert or wasteland people. Oh, hallelujah. Though the desert was before the Israelites, God was telling them, I'm preparing to send a river of deliverance. 
fresh starts, new beginnings, second chances. See, being a resurrection people means that the worst thing is never the last thing. Oh, hallelujah. It's never the last thing. Because he who sits on the throne said... Oh, hallelujah. And the good news and the wonderful thing about it is, is that when this prophetic word from Isaiah went forth, you know what I mean? There was a time lapse in between. Sometimes we think of New Year, you know, as the onset or the time in which new things can happen, and yet... In God, any time is time for the new. The book of Genesis opens, chapter 1 and verse 1, and says, speaks about how that the, the universe was in chaos and in darkness. But it says something else. It says that the Spirit of God was hovering over that chaos in that darkness. That same Spirit is still hovering over the chaos, and the darkness. That same spirit, you know, whether it's personal, whether it's larger than that, reaching further than that, is always hovering over our wildernesses and our darknesses and our chaoses. Waiting for someone to believe the word. Uh. If we don't let God's new thing create for us a new normal, then the train of God's mission will have left and we will be there standing on the platform. God's not predictable. Yeah, he's not predictable. He doesn't heal everybody the same way. He doesn't answer prayer 
the same way. I have several decades of walking with God, discovering God, and knowing God, even as many of you do. But I still find that there's much about him that's incomprehensible. And that God just loves to surprise us. If I remember right, and you correct me if I'm wrong, Doug and Tanya, you guys got a surprise, right? Mm-hmm. Got a surprise, yeah. You wouldn't trade that surprise for... No. The uniqueness of God is this, is that, is that he had delivered Israel by making a way through the water, and then all of a sudden, the water would make a path in the desert. He changed things up. That's the new thing. You know, the new thing is not always something new. It's taking what has been and using it in a different way. Making it relative. And I don't know if that's a good word that a church should use, but I'm going to use it, you know what I mean? Because everything seems to be have that feeling to it. Huh? It's relative, you know. But master designed, let's put it that way. Master designed. I do believe, however, that we need to stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I believe that's why he sent the Holy Spirit, so we could know. Will you not know it? When Paul wrote this, you know, I believe it was of the Corinthians, he said, he said, you know, I have not seen and ear hath not heard, neither has it entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him, but he has revealed it unto us by his spirit. When the spirit of the truth has come, he will guide you into truth, and he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. John 16 and 13. God doesn't want you and I in the dark. We'll not always be able to comprehend it, but it will be enough so that your faith can keep you walking. Think about some new things that have happened when you became a Christian. And I won't elaborate on them just for the sake of time, but you have a new relationship. You now have got your heavenly father. You have a new citizenship. Think about it. You actually are a resident of heaven. You've got a new family. Family of God. You got new purpose. You got new power. You got new destiny. 
and you got a new journey. But when you're going to move into the new, you have to go ahead and let go of the old. I remember, and many in this church will remember too, and you know what I mean, is, is, is when, when God began to shift the music. It's been a point of contention ever since. But it, it, the music was still music. It was just different music. Something that began to relate and reach to the future and not just the past. I'm, you know, if I sit down and start singing... I don't have a whole lot of new repertoire in music. Now, I hear them sung, you know what I mean, but they, the hard drive's just not getting them. But you take, you know, the old, man, a living, hard drive's got them. The new. God's always preparing a river of deliverance. You say, Pastor, why do we have the wildernesses? Why do we have the, the deserts? Well, I don't know all of God's reasoning, but let me share with you that one of the reasons happens is so God can get our attention. It seems that in the desert, you know what I mean? God's people, that's where we experience deliverance. We see that his provision is, you know, is sufficient. The great thing that happens is we get a greater revelation of God. It's there that there's a preparation for the new season. Nobody likes change. But you know, grapes must be crushed to produce wine. Diamonds form under pressure, and olives press to release oil, and seeds grow in the darkness. When you embrace the change that God places in our lives, 
you can be guaranteed that it leads to another step up the ladder of his will. And how many want that? You want God's will. This is the pathway. When Jesus was in the garden, he said, Not my will, but thine be done. What a pressing. But when he moved into it, it was another step in the ladder of God's will. Thank you, Jesus. What do we do when we have failures that take place in in our lives? Situations that, you know what I mean, uh, even afterwards, they just don't make sense. Somehow God is able to take those and use them as like kindling to start something. To generate. To make way for his strength. And that strength is going to come through you. I can do all things through you. Christ is the power. You, of course, and I are the the channel. You never want to get to the point, you know, that you start living your life and never undergo change. You can sleep and Christian traditions can keep going on. That can even be religious, you know, pomp and circumstances taking place. But there is nothing new, nothing revitalized. Why does God do new things? Because he knows where we're at. And he knows where we need to be. Yeah. I will do a new thing. I will do a new thing. Jesus is the new. Jesus is the spring of living water. Jesus is the guide through the wilderness. There's a story, and it's a biblical story, in the life of the Hebrew children. And in, in their, you know, uh, uh, procedure, 
you remember that they had the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was kind of the, 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 that which thing that they would follow when they were to move. And then at a period of time in their history, though they had followed it many times before, when they'd move camp, the Ark of the Covenant would go first, representing, of course, God and God's presence. And there was an occasion in their life that God spoke to them and said, you need to pay a little more attention You need to follow more closely. You know what I mean? Like, how many think they probably got some stragglers when they were removing moving millions of people? You have those, you know what I mean, that just, they have that energetic, you know what I mean, and probably almost running past it if they could. But then you have those that, you know, not again. And he says, you need to follow more closely because you've never been this way before. That's why we cannot just get, you know, comfortable. You know what I mean? And I mean, let's take it for instance. I hope this, this will relate. Math, for instance. It's just ridiculous the long journey it takes to get to two plus two. I don't, you know, but you have to have that new journey because there's more than just the two plus two, you know, that God is interested in. There's more to the new than just that one single answer. So you need to follow more, more closely. Sometimes we have to let go of what we have planned so we can accept what is waiting for us. I ask for musicians to come this morning and thank God for our musicians, right? Amen. And our, our, our worship team. God said, I will. So God's going to do it is whether or not we'll see it. Whether or not we'll go ahead and, you know, embrace itself into it.
Let me try to wrap it up here just a little bit. You know, I'm not waiting for something new. I'm trying to see the new that's already taken place. Yeah. And if it's different, I'm good with that. I'm good with change. The one thing I don't want to do is what my father-in-law used to say, you know what I mean? He said, when he shipped a ride, he'd probably be at the airport. Wrong place. If I'm supposed to be at the airport, I want to be at the airport. If I'm supposed to be at the ship, I want to be at the ship. And you and I can do that because it is the job of the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us, to teach us, because there's going to be things that, that just, you know what I mean, that need a lot of teaching. is behind change. Now, not all change. Okay? But there are things that God changes. And will we accept the change that God makes? Howard Thurman, and I personally don't know him, but I discovered this in my research. It's something that he wrote. And uh, something that I personally would call a resurrection mandate. When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and the princes are home, When the shepherds are back with their flocks, the work of Christ begins. Think about it. I love the wonder and the awe. That launches an event or launches a new. But once the heavens have silent, then the work with regarding the new begins. 
he continues to write to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to bring peace to the people and music to the heart. The mission of the church is always the same because of he who sits on the throne. Hallelujah. Amen. He who sits on the throne. As you stand with me this morning, young people, God's going to do some new things. You're going to be key, vital keys to that new thing. Mary was a vital key to the new thing that God wanted to do. But he needed Mary's yes. Sometimes you see and you have an idea what God wants, but the pathway's not clear. You don't even know how you're going to get there. What I've discovered is that when you want to do God's will, God has a way of getting you there. Forty-three years ago, God wanted me to be pastor here. We had no connection whatsoever with here. Didn't even know it existed. They didn't know we existed. It's not about me, but it's about how God gets his will done. My father, and I say this with honor, had been preaching for many, many years, and yet he got in the wilderness of despondency and gave up preaching. He had settled in. And then I invited him to my home church, which was in the cities. That time I invited him to the home church, my home church, because he was living in, in the Dakotas and they'd come down to visit. And so I said, well, why don't you come to our church? Came to, came to our church, just one service. It was a Sunday night. touch the wilderness gave way to divine direction 
the desert gave way to the river of living water. My pastor then, just Pastor Martin, was, happened to be one of the pastors that was filling in down here at this outpost because they didn't have a pastor. And so he would send or come himself someone to, to handle the services. After conversing and talking with my dad, he invited my dad to come down and see the church and preach in the church. Well, the history is there. He became the pastor. He had a, about a 10 year run. God want her to be here. God knows how to get it done. Yeah. And I, when I say that, I say no, no feathers in our hat. It's all about God. Total of 53 years, and here we are today. Here you are, here we are. And the same rivers that were running then are running today. <laughs> Hallelujah. God said this, and I leave it with us this morning as, as a church for 2021. And I don't think it's limited to that, but he said, I want a vibrant church. Full of energy enthusiasm, glowing with my glory, pulsating with my life. Vibrant. Oh, hallelujah. We're good, but we're not vibrant yet. <laughs> hallelujah. I'll tell you, church, now that's not too wild of a new thing, is it? Vibrant. Vibrant. Vibrancy, I mean, not just in the church, vibrant in our marriage, vibrant in our work, vibrant in our missions, vibrant in getting together. Let's sing. Hallelujah, guys, so listen. God will get you there. If you're open, God will get you there. Hallelujah. He'll arrange it.
Praise God. It won't make a lot of sense while it's happening. But you will look back and say, look what the Lord has done. I believe that the first two commandments are still the key. To love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love people. If you will love God, and you will love people, hallelujah, God will get you where you need to be so that you can teach others, you know, about God's love, amen, and how to love one another. Go with God, hallelujah, amen, because the new is already here. God bless you.